Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Businesses can have a moral compass and do what's right, but also make money. We try to align ourselves to whether it be venture funds or whether it be startups or large tech companies that share that aligned mission in terms of doing well in business and also doing good in society. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 372 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with John Roussel. John Roussel is a co-founder and executive director of Colorwave. Prior to Colorwave, John served as a director at Strategic Education Incorporated, focused on their HBCU initiatives to accelerate online learning across HBCU campuses. He has held numerous positions across the education sector, including as a national director of student data services and senior charter school finance specialist at EdOps, an education pioneers fellow with the New York City Department of Education and a Teach for America cause member in Atlanta, Georgia. John earned an MBA from Howard University and a bachelor's in mass communications from the University of California at Berkeley. A Southern California native, John currently resides in Oakland, California with his wife and son. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing how Colorwave is addressing the racial wealth gap by providing budding entrepreneurs with access to venture funding, and why business is becoming a key mechanism for inspiring sustainable social change. John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to have you here. Thank you, Indio, for having us and spotlighting the work that we do. Excellent. So to start off, could you please share a bit about your background and then what led to your work as a social entrepreneur? Yes. So you covered it a little bit in the intro, but prior to this, I had spent about 12 years in a variety of roles aimed at helping close America's achievement gap and level the education playing field for traditionally underserved communities in America. So I've done Teach for America. I've done a fellowship with Education Pioneers and a variety of different roles in helping expand educational opportunities for underserved communities. The genesis for starting Color Wave was in the summer of 2020, where I was at a pivotal moment in my career where I have been doing impactful work, but I thought there was more that could be done, particularly in broadening access to opportunity for underserved communities in the tech space. That August, a close friend and mentor of mine, who's also on our board at ColorWave, his name is Leandrew Robinson. I had reached out to him and there were a collection of entrepreneurs, 
investors, nonprofit leaders who were interested in broadening access to job opportunities, capital, and just expanding access to the venture-backed startup space. I connected with this group that summer. I heard what they were trying to do and they were in need of somebody to take the mission forward. That turned out to be ColorWave. And for me, what was particularly alluring about this opportunity is as a native of California, I have seen several tech booms. I grew up in the era of Netscape, eBay, Amazon, Google, Facebook, all of these companies that have now transformed the world. And when I looked at how they got started, they created this transformational wealth for the people who started them and the people who worked for the companies. But there was a disconnect particularly for underrepresented communities getting access to those companies very early on into their growth. And that is essentially what propelled us to start this initiative. The hypothesis is that if we can introduce these communities to those types of organizations earlier on, we can increase the opportunity for these communities who have traditionally been locked out of this space. Really critical mission that you're embracing there, Colorwave. And as you've been talking about, you're a co-founder and executive director of this social enterprise. So can you please share a bit more about how it works, its purpose, and the impact that it's generating within that space? Yes. So ColorWave is a national nonprofit. We're focused on helping close the racial wealth gap by connecting traditionally underrepresented professionals to opportunities across the venture back ecosystem. There are two key ways, programming that we focus on to make this happen. The first is a fellowship program. So in January of 2021, we piloted a fellowship program for working professionals of color, which essentially tries to help them understand how modern technology companies are funded, what it's like to work and lead a venture-backed startup company, and then how to set yourself up for open roles at a company, or understand how to access capital if you're building a new company. From this particular program, we have had about 300 alumni in just under two years, and they have been in 60 different cities. Because of the pandemic, it accelerated our growth in terms of geography and allowed us to provide a curriculum and resources to help people navigate this space better. One of the things that we do with this program that is particularly impactful is we do have a speaker series where we bring in national leaders in the sector so that people can see individuals that look like themselves who are making an impact in the tech ecosystem or the innovation economy, as we call it. We've had Michael Seibel, who is a managing director of Y Combinator, come and speak. Lo Tony, who runs a venture fund and is a frequent contributor on CNBC. Uh, We've had Cherise Torres, who was a former board member of ours, but also a senior marketing executive in the tech world. And then Tom Chavez, who was a serial entrepreneur who sold two businesses, one to Microsoft and to Salesforce. We try to reinforce the imagery that there is a place for diverse people in this space and help people navigate and understand where they fit within this landscape. That's our fellowship program. On the other end of the spectrum, we're also launching a entrepreneur accelerator. 
for early stage founders of tech companies who are alumni of our program. Last year, we piloted a program with about five entrepreneurs who had previously done our fellowship program to connect them with mentors for their ideas, as well as introduce opportunities to pitch for capital. Through that program, two of the founders who participated were able to receive funding. So these are the ways we're trying to help people navigate from an entrepreneur perspective, but also from joining early stage companies as an employee as well. Really interesting activities there that you're participating in at Colorwave and a lot of impact that you're creating there for diverse entrepreneurs. So thank you for sharing more about that. And if we're taking a bit more of a look at the United States specifically, and if we're looking at kind of some of the communities over there, which communities are typically underrepresented and what opportunities are they deprived of? Yeah, so that's a great question. So in America, particularly as you look at the tech ecosystem, the communities where you see larger underrepresentation in the workforce and as entrepreneurs tend to be Black and Latinx Indigenous communities, so those who are Indigenous to America. And then there are certain Asian ethnicities that are also underrepresented as workers within the tech economy. Just from a pure number standpoint, two of the primary targets of our fellowship, Black and Latinx workers, they comprise 31% of the U.S. workforce, yet they are just 12% of the tech workforce. So there's this huge gap between what they represent in the broader economy and where they're at in terms of representation in the tech ecosystem. Those numbers dwindle as you move up the career ladder. So from an executive standpoint, only 7% of all tech leadership roles and 5% of startup executive roles are held by somebody who is Black or Latinx. We see that there's this huge disparity in terms of representation for those communities in this space. And that's essentially the communities that we target with our work are those that don't have equitable representation in the space, whether it be at a large tech company or in our case, a startup company. And we're looking to get those people connected to growing organizations to understand the career and economic upside that exists by working in a high growth business. That is the role that we play. And those are the communities that we target with the work that we do in America. Wow. That gap in representation there makes it so clear why there's a need organizations like Colorwave to exist and to create that change and bring these communities into the space more, especially within tech. So thank you for sharing that with me there, John. I really appreciate it. And if we're looking now at the purpose-led organization model in general, how can it act as a driving force to reduce inequality, especially social enterprises and businesses? And why should entrepreneurs in the future embrace these models more? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think we're in an era where contextually businesses hold more social influence and responsibility than they have in the past 50 years. It's just my perspective. I think there's a rise in the sentiment of businesses can do well as well as do good in society. And some of that is a byproduct of some of the ills that previous business practices have caused, whether it be climate change, economic and wealth inequality, gender disparities. There's a general sense across America, as well as across the world, that businesses can have a moral compass and do what's right, but also make money. 
we try to align ourselves to whether it be venture funds or whether it be startups or large tech companies that share that aligned mission in terms of doing well in business and also doing good in society. For purpose-led organizations in particular, we think that organizations should be thinking about how their products, services, and tools serve various constituents in society for those who are less fortunate to those who are more affluent. From our particular work as an organization, we focus on companies and partnering with organizations that believe in providing fair wages and benefits to employees, those that are looking to implement sustainable business practices through a DI lens. So thinking about how their products and tools are received and impact different communities is very important to us. We also think just more broadly that companies that think about how their products and services impact all communities will have stronger business results, as well as help to reduce some of the inequality that we see in society really crucial there to be able to understand where that social enterprise movement and the purpose-led movement of business really fits in to the broader landscape. So thank you so much for sharing that there with our audience. And now if we're looking at more personally, if you were going to give some advice from your experience and your long service at Colorway, but also more generally, what is one key piece of advice that you would give to a change-led individual who is seeking to start their own social enterprise. I actually have a few quick guidance or advice for people who are thinking about starting change-led or social impact organizations. I think one of the biggest things that we've done early on, and that is important for somebody that's starting this type of organization, is to really make sure you understand and thoroughly research the problem you're trying to solve and have some level of proximate connection to the problem that you're trying to solve with your organization. For us in particular, we treated the start of our organization in the same way you may start a for-profit startup where we understood what was missing in the marketplace, what was the niche or problem that we can solve here, and what was a strategy of how we would enter the marketplace and provide something that was differentiated for those who needed this type of support. So I would say doing your research, understanding the problem and the solution is very critical to having early success. So that's one piece of advice I would give. I think the other thing that we see now that we're in the thick of implementing our model and growing is having the ability to be clear about what key performance indicators you have and how you measure that. For us as an organization, we look at a few different KPIs. We look at the connections we're making for individuals to the ecosystem, whether that be as employees looking for jobs or connections to capital. We also look at key outcomes. If we connected you to a job, what was the outcome? Were you able to transition to a new role, which is very critical to us? And once you transition, did you have a meaningful change in your economic mobility? Did your salary change? Did you get ownership in a company which you may not have had prior to coming to our program? Being able to track and understand your KPRs are very important. And then I would think that the last thing, particularly as a social-led organization wants to be enduring, is to have a level of resilience and persistence with what you're doing. In the same way that you may think of a startup being very hard, 
being a startup nonprofit is also very difficult and there are ebbs and flows or peaks and valleys that happen in this space where you have a huge accomplishment uh, that may happen one day and then a few weeks later there's a challenge that you have to overcome so being able to be resilient and staying the course is critical to keeping your mission always at the forefront of what you're doing is something that's very important, particularly if you're an early stage social-led organization. I love those pieces of advice there. Being resilient, considering your mission, considering all of those KPIs, just really crucial for anyone stepping into that space there. So thank you for sharing that with our audience, John. And we're nearly coming up to the end of this interview. And I've just got two questions left that we always shoot at the entrepreneurs to get them to answer and share with us. What inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently, which are creating a positive social change? For our particular space, we're at the intersection of venture investors and startups who want to do good and broaden access for communities that have traditionally been locked out of this sector. There are a few different models that are currently taking shape that we are really excited about. One is through one of the venture funds we work with, which is called Concrete Rose Capital. They have a model where they invest in growing businesses that are transforming society. But as a part of their model, they've also developed a foundation where a portion of the carry that they will receive from their investments goes to also support organizations, nonprofit organizations, social mission organizations that are also increasing access for communities to this ecosystem. We are a part of their foundation community, but we also enjoy working with all the other partners that are part of that mission. Similarly, another organization that has done this type of work, Andreessen Horowitz has recently started the Cultural Leadership Fund, which is a fund where they invite Black partners to join in terms of their LP base or their limited partner base also includes people of color. And then they donate 100% of the carry and management fees to nonprofit organizations that are advancing the mission of getting more Black people into technology careers as employees, founders, and investors. Those are the models that we are hopeful will serve as a pillar for the future and ones that we're encouraged by how they're set up and what they have the potential to show the world of how you can do this right. Those are a few that we are really excited about, both as participants in the work that they do, but also in the future outcomes that we think they're going to do to broaden access to the sector for traditionally underserved communities. Well, I can understand why you're excited. Those are a few fantastic initiatives there that are creating some really broad impact as well for people to enter these areas in text. Thank you for sharing those. And to finish off, what books or resources would you recommend for our listeners to check out? In terms of understanding a few different problems here, I would say if you are looking to better understand the racial wealth gap, particularly in America and why it exists, I'm a nerd in terms of I like to look at studies and different things that show historically how some of the problems that have persisted, how they present themselves in society. So I like to look at Brookings Institute's reports around the racial wealth gap. Particularly, they did a study in 2020 that examined the black and white wealth gap, which has been very illuminating about how this problem existed and how it may be exacerbated over time, but also how it can potentially be solved. 
Another group that does some dynamic research is a McKinsey Institute for Black Economic Mobility. They've done a lot of studies about how focusing on integrating diverse businesses into the stream of commerce will improve economic outcomes for the economy on a whole, which we think is very important. In terms of tech specifically, the K4 Center, which is based out of Oakland, do annual studies around the state of Black and Latinx, the tech ecosystem. And those reports really give a full picture of what the representation looks like as well as what are some of the longer-term levers that can be pulled in the space to broaden access at the educational level, but also within the workforce development sector as well. Those are a few courses that we continually monitor and look at to evaluate certain things that we can implement or certain data points that help evaluate the progress that we're making within this sector. Wow. Sounds like a few really critical resources there. And for any of the audience who's listening to the podcast or reading through the transcript, they'll be able to jump onto the website, scroll on down to the bottom and all of these resources, organizations, movements that you've mentioned throughout our discussion today, they'll be linked in. People can click on through, check them out, learn more about this space that you're operating in as well as Colorwaves. So That actually brings us to the end of our interview, unfortunately. And I just want to say, John, on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for sharing your generous insights and time today. We've really enjoyed this conversation and I've learned a lot about this space over in America and how you can work on creating more opportunities for underrepresented communities in tech. So it's really exciting to see the progress that you're making and we just wish you all the best in the future and we can't wait to see more. Yes, thank you all for having us and spotlighting the work we do. And to all of the people who are leading social-led and social impact organizations, keep doing the work that you're doing. It is going to change the world. So please continue to do the important work that you're doing. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.